I want you to think about Joseph for a second. He was just completely rejected by everyone he knew. He almost was murdered at their hand. He was sold into slavery and then he was betrayed. Any human being needs time away from the spotlight to heal. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Let's go. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl. We are back with another part two episode of the Autumn Miles Show, continuing the story of Joseph in his prison from last week. I'm so glad you guys are joining me. Welcome to the show. Welcome to your day. I hope everything is going well in your world. Love you guys. We want to hear from you guys. Um, Follow us on social, Autumn Miles on Facebook and on Instagram, and maybe new ones coming up soon. Also, if you want to hang out with us or communicate with us, you can DM us or you can send me an email at hello at autumnmiles.com, and we will hopefully see that and get back to you really, really quickly. Okay, so what's going on in my life? Well, we are uh, gearing up for our annual beach vacation, annual beach vacation. Now, our packing when we go on a beach vacation is very interesting. I think over the 18 years of marriage, we have divvied up our responsibilities in packing for a beach vacation very unfairly. Let me put it like that, okay? This is how it goes in our world. Autumn, you're responsible for all four kids and yourself. And Eddie, you're responsible for yourself and miscellaneous. And when I say miscellaneous, I do mean miscellaneous, okay? So we have four kids. I always text them a little like, this is what you need to bring. This is how long we're going to be gone. Like, you know, seven pairs of underwear, you know, the whole thing, toothbrush, you know, and et cetera. My packing is always done last before just to make sure I'm like a catch-all. So I'll put like, you know, random things that we forget in my packing and, you know, we, we typically do a pretty good job at packing the five of us. And then there is my husband. And I, if someone could explain this to me, this would be fantastic. Okay. He will go into our kitchen and he will pull boxes from our storage area that we have in our garage. And um, he will start loading the boxes with the most random things from our kitchen, like rice to go on a beach vacation, or Cassie reminded me, oregano, or like chili powder. And so just in case, on the off chance, we need oregano on our beach vacation. He will put, I mean, all sorts of stuff. The stuff that we have to unload that is not used when we come home is massive, okay? My husband tells me I love this about him, but I don't remember ever saying that. (laughs) He, on the other hand, says I just do, and he knows that I do, even though I don't think I've ever said that ever or ever thought that, to be honest with you. But his priority is not swimsuits, you know, shorts, toothbrush. His priority is pots, rice, pans, seasoning, flour, chocolate chips, 
salt and pepper and really, you know, two boxes of stuff. Then he will then priority number two is his actual clothing. All the while I am making sure all four children are packed and myself in order to go on a beach vacation. And I'm just telling you guys, I don't know if your husbands are like this or if it's just mine, but we will get in the car and we will pack the back of the car and we'll have plenty of room for our suitcases, but it's the miscellaneous that he is in charge of that we don't know where we're going to put it. So, you know, it ends up going under Haven's feet. So she kicks their oregano, you know, for 10 hours on our way to the beach. And that's always really fun. Um, or, you know, Moses dumps out the salt in our uh, car or something like that. It just, you know, I don't know. I don't make it stop, guys. I don't I don't understand why he has to do this. Anyway, I mean, he loves this about himself. And so it's just a thing in our marriage that I'm like, is this a battle we're going to fight? I don't think so. So going with us on this vacation will be six suitcases and Eddie's two boxes of miscellaneous stuff. And I'll let you know how it goes when we come back. Okay, that's what's happening in my life. I will see you guys right after the break for part two of the life of Joseph. Hey guys, it's Autumn. And I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. So when Joseph was in prison, there are so many different opportunities that he had there, okay? He's hidden. He's taken away. He's no longer with the upper echelon in Egypt. He's no longer, you know, brushing shoulders with, you know, Pharaoh was up in Potiphar's house. You know that all these, like, these these people that had all this money were up in Potiphar's house. Joseph is no longer there, okay? He's found himself in a very humbling place. All he knows are prisoners All he knows is the chief jailer in a dungeon, okay? That's all he knows. He is in a dungeon where actually not a lot of people are allowed to go because it's where the Pharaoh puts his prisoners, okay? So there's maximum security there where Joseph is. I want to go to uh, Genesis 40 as we start the second part of this message. Then it came about after these things. Now, what has just happened? Joseph was just thrown in prison. He's been, he's already been given favor by the chief jailer. The chief jailer is not supervising anything that Joseph does. The Lord is right there with him. We learned last week that he is not overlooked. He's not overlooked. He's actually just hidden. Okay. And we talked about last week, how this was going to be a message to those people out there that think that they are being overlooked, that they are being forgotten when actually God has just hidden you today. We're going to get into all the different points 
reasons why he was hidden. Okay. So here we go. He is in the prison. He has been given favor by the chief jailer and he is like doing his thing, right? He's doing his thing. He's like, you know, telling the other prisoners what to do. And one of the reasons why he is hidden in the solitary place, I know it's in my notes is because of this. Joseph knew how to manage a house of the upper echelon. He knew how to cater to those people that, you know, had a lot of money. He knew how to cater to leaders because he learned that in Potiphar's house. He knew how to manage large sums of money. He knew how to manage, you know, big portfolios. He knew how to manage servants. He knew how to manage people. You know, I kind of envision him in Potiphar's house as like the Downton Abbey crowd, like the butler. What's the butler's name? I don't even know his name. Anyway, how he comes through and he lets everybody in of the upper echelon of the world that's coming through Downton Abbey. Joseph learned how to handle the upper echelon, but he had not yet had experience dealing with people that messed up their lives, and found themselves in prison. One of the things that I know that God taught him while he was hidden is how not just to rule the rich people, but also learn how to manage people that were all different kinds of people. It's one thing to learn how to deal with the upper echelon. It's another thing to deal with us, the normal people, okay? So Joseph had to have experience with all types of people. Why? Because when he was released, he was about to have to manage everybody in all the earth, the upper echelon, the lower echelon, the middle echelon, everybody. Okay. So one of the things that the chief jailer's favor did to him was he learned how to manage people that he hadn't been around yet. He needed to educate himself on um, managing all people, being fair to all people, listening to all people. When God hides you, there are things that you don't know yet that he wants you to actually learn. And the way he does that is during those hidden seasons, the seasons that feel like you're forgotten, but you're not. He places you in circumstances to sharpen that skill that you're going to need. This is a loving God, y'all, that hid him in a place so he could learn how to govern everyone. Because guess whose boss he was about to be? The chief jailer. He had to learn how to diplomatically deal with everyone, how to meet everybody's needs, not just the grape eaters, but also the people that got, I don't know what they ate in prison, probably not a lot. He had to handle all types of people, not just one type of people. That is one of the reasons why God saw that he needed to be hidden for a time. I have in my notes, he was restrained to be trained. He was restrained to be trained. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Actually, a lot of times we don't know. Every time we know, don't know what we don't know. But sometimes we don't know what we lack for the next season of our life. And God will hold us back 
in this prison of hidden, just so we can be educated. So we don't go into that next season of massive responsibility without the intellect of knowing how to handle it. Don't you think that would be a main God, a mean God to throw you into something that you're not equipped for? If you're facing it, you've been through some sort of scenario where you have needed, uh, you have grown the skill in order to handle it. He was restrained to be trained. Then he has two huge, massive appointments in prison. I don't think... Joseph knew he had the gift of interpretation yet. I think he knew he was, he was probably aware that maybe he uh, dabbled in this supernatural gift. We have not seen yet him have to exercise his gift of interpreting somebody else's dreams. Now, when he had two dreams, he had a good idea of what they meant, but no one else at this point that we had seen comes to him and tests his dreams. This is what happens in Genesis 40. Listen, then it came about after these things that the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their Lord. Yikes. Pharaoh was furious. I don't know what they did, but they were not, Pharaoh was not even trying to have it. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. Now, this is not a coincidence, okay, that they were in the same place. Joseph needed to be there because his gift needed to be tested. He needed to know what he was good at and what he was not good at for the next season of his life. Let me ask you this. Do you know what you're good at? If I was to sit in front of you, could you tell me your gifts? And, and not be arrogant about it. Just say, this is what I'm good at. I can tell you right now what I'm good at. And I can tell you right now what I'm not good at. Sometimes hidden seasons flush out what we're good at and what we're not good at. My husband called me a couple of weeks ago on the phone and he was like, Autumn, I need to tell you, we've been married 18 years. Autumn, I need to tell you something. I am not good at, and then he named it. I don't want to humiliate him. So I'm not going to tell you what he's told me. I am not good at X. And I tried not to laugh because of course I know he's not good at that. I've been married to him for 18 years, but he just had the revelation that he wasn't good at this particular thing. And I just listened and I did not respond. I just said, well, I'm so glad that you learned that about yourself today. Listen, when we're about to go in to a ruling season, a season of maximum exposure, we have got to be secure about the gifts and the talents that God has placed inside of us so that we can use them effectively and not feel like we are timid about exercising that gift. You need to learn what you're good at and what you're not good at. This is one thing that me and my husband are very different at. He's good at a hundred things, like a hundred, like he could do a hundred things. He could do a hundred things well, but not like, like super awesome. Like he's good at like a lot, right? I'm good at two things, <laughs> two and I actually have a really long list of things. And I talk about this all the time with my kids and everyone who knows me. I have a long list of things that I know that I'm not good at. 
So when my, what I'm needed, when my gift is needed, I know that I can step in and I can actually answer whatever it is that that need is with my gift. Okay. My husband could really answer just about anything, (laughs) but he is learning in this season of his life, what he is excellent at, what God has put in him. My husband is the biggest encourager you will ever meet in your whole entire life. He is the gift, spiritual gift of exhortation. If you meet him, you will love him. He will encourage you. You will want to be his best friend. Lots of people want to be his best friend. And that's just the way it is. He didn't think he was good at it for years. And now he knows he's good at it. And it is for the edification of the body of Christ. So if someone needs a word in season, if someone needs encouragement, um, he's the one that will step in and, and he gives it. And it's so incredibly awesome to watch him flow in his gift. But he's learning what he's not. This is when Joseph learned what he was good at. He was in confinement with the baker and the cupbearer. Verse 5. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt were confined in jail. They both had a dream the same night. Each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. So God is going to about to give Joseph two chances to be accurate in his gift of interpreting dreams. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? He also was very discerning because in jail, I feel like everyone's face would be sad, okay? So for him to see there was an extra sadness there the day after their dreams shows me that Joseph is also learning the gift of discernment, the gift of listening, and the gift of ministering kind of all at the same time. Then they said to him, verse 8, 40, verse eight, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do uh, not interpretations belong to God. Tell it to me, please. Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell it to me, please. I'm going to pause right here because of this. Some of you guys are interpreting your season right now as being forsaken and God has not told you that interpretations of what God is doing in our lives are not ours to come up with some super, some human answer to a supernatural season. Do not interpretations of seasons, of events, of things, especially dreams in the context of this passage, do they not belong to God? Be careful slapping a human assumption onto your life saying this is what God's doing when maybe you haven't even asked God for his with, why are you doing this in my life? What do I need to be learning? How long am I going to be here? What are you trying to uh, grow in me and mature in me and you? Do not, I love this answer. Do not interpretations belong to God? Not humans. God. If you're in an especially hard season, don't try to interpret that thing for yourself. Ask God who the interpretation belongs to. Anyway, okay, moving on. Verse eight. Tell it to me, please. Verse nine. So the chief cupbearer told him his dream and said to him, in my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me and the vine had three branches and it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup back in Pharaoh's hand. Verse 12, then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. 
he has the opportunity to exercise and practice his gift. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Bam. There's the first interpretation. Joseph got to exercise his gift. Let's see if he's right. Only keep me in mind, verse 14, when it goes well with you. Please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was, in fact, kidnapped in the land of Hebrews, and even I have done nothing that they would put me in the dungeon. This is his second chance to interpret. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw a dream. And behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And on the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. And then yikes, here we go again. This one's not so good. Then Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. Three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and you will hang. Yikes, on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh off of you. Wow, that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Thus it came about. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, happy birthday, Pharaoh, he made a feast for all of his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored, bingo, Pharaoh, uh, Joseph got one right. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Okay, now I want to go back to this just for a second. Do you see what's happening here? Joseph is learning his gift. Now he's two for two. I'm sure after he interpreted the dreams, even though he said they come from the Lord, I'm sure he just needed a little bit more security. And so when he heard that the exact thing that happened in his interpretation happened, what do you think that infused in Joseph's heart? Confidence. Because he was about to enter the most vital, most important season ever. The most important moment where he would stand in front of Pharaoh and interpret his dream. So you are restrained to be trained. He was trained on how to deal with the prisoners and to lead them. He also was hidden so that he could find out what he was great at and what he was not great at is another reason. The, the, one of the points I, I want to bring up is this. He did nothing to put himself there. What he says to the baker and the cupbearer is this, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. Please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Verse 15, for I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me in the dungeon. Okay, guys, I'm gonna wrap up this series here in just a second. But those of you that feel like you're hidden or you're overlooked, and you're frustrated, but God has actually hidden you. What happened to Joseph was not his fault. There was nothing that he did in order to place himself 
hidden in this hidden prison where um, no one could get to him and no one could see him and he was not visible. He did not do it. I think sometimes we think, what did I do? Did I make God mad? Did I say, oh, I, you know, dropped a cuss word the other day. Oh my goodness, God's punishing me for that. Or, you know, I don't even know what you people think out there. But I'm telling you right now, when God places you in a prison of being hidden, um, I think it's important to know that it's for your benefit. It's not because you're being punished by something. And Joseph knew that he was aware of that. He knew he was a man of integrity. And therefore he was able to say, listen, when you go before Pharaoh, I want you to remember me because your boy over here, he didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Moving on. There's a lot to get to here today. We are almost over. We are almost done. We talked about him being restrained to be trained on how to deal with all people. The second one is he had to learn what he was and he had to learn what he's not. Psalm 105 gives us an interesting perspective on what else was happening on the inside of Joseph while he was in that prison. I want to read it to you because this has actually ministered to me greatly over the years as I have read this Psalm to myself. Psalm 105.16 says this, and he called for famine upon the land, talking about the Lord. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before him, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons, meaning he was shackled in the prison. Until the time that God's word came to pass, Psalm 105, 17, until the time that his dream happened, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now, almost done here. This is so interesting to me because Psalm 105 says this, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested Joseph as he sat in prison. It does not say prison tested him. It doesn't say betrayal tested him. It doesn't say that Potiphar doing him wrong tested him. It doesn't say his brothers tested him. It doesn't say the Ishmaelites tested him. It doesn't say his father tested him. It says none of those things. We have an inside look into what is happening to Joseph here. The word of the Lord tested him. And this is sometimes why we are put in this prison of hidden. It's not really our fault. God is doing something in us. The word of the Lord, the promise that God gave to Joseph needed to be tested in that prison because when he got out, he needed to know that he knew, that he knew, that he knew, that he knew that whatever he faced in the famine, he could stand on the word of the Lord. Sometimes we're put in a prison of hidden just to see how faithful God will always be to us. The word of the Lord tested him, not the prison. 
And I want to pose this to you guys today. Those that God has said, you're going to be married. You're going to have a child. You're going to do this. You're going to, um, your, your prodigal is going to come home. Whatever it is that the Lord has specifically told you and what you're looking at is the opposite of that. The word of the Lord is testing you. And that promise is grating up inside of you. And it's asking you this. Are you going to believe me? Are you going to believe what you see? Are you going to believe me? Are you going to believe what you see? The word of the Lord tested him, not his circumstances. I think that is of note. God needs to know that he knows that he knows that he knows that before he takes you to that next whatever he is going to take you to, that you believe his word because you're going to need it in that next season. The word of the Lord tested him while he was in the stocks, in the dungeon, in Pharaoh's prison, not the shackles. The word of the Lord is that powerful. Then it happens, you guys. Then it happens. It says in Psalm 105, verse 20, then. There's always a then when we've been in prison. The baker and the cupbearer forgot him, but God was training him for one moment where no one, and I mean no one, could answer what was needed but him. Then the king sent and released him, the ruler of peoples, and set him free. He made him Lord over his house and ruler over all of his possessions. Okay, I want to go back. And then we're going to be done. After the word of God tested Joseph, which is one of the reasons why he was in prison. So he could come to a place where he 100% believed that God was going to do what he did, uh, what he said he was going to do in his dreams that he had earlier in life. Genesis 41. Now it happened that at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream And behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed into a march. Then behold, seven other cows came up from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and the gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and he dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning, his spirit was troubled. Let me tell you something. He had two dreams just like the cupbearer and the baker did. He woke up from those dreams and his spirit was troubled. What gets you released from this prison of being hidden is when the right person with authority has an issue and you're the only one, you with your gift that has been tested, that has been tried, is the only one that can meet the need that that person in authority has. He woke up and his spirit was troubled. What did he do? He went to all the wise people and the magicians in Egypt. And guess what? No one could answer his interpretation to his two dreams. No one. No one in this life 
can do what God puts you on this planet to do. No one has all the gifts that you have. No one is created the way that you're created. You are called to a right in front of Pharaoh's dream interpretation moment. And when that moment comes, he will have tested his word in you. He will have tried you. He would have prepared you in the prison of hidden. And you're going to be so thankful that he did because you're about to stand in the biggest break of your life. No one could answer it. All the Egyptians and the magicians and all the wise people. Well, I don't know. 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 Then the chief cupbearer remembers. He spoke to Pharaoh and said, I'd make mention of my own offense, but I'm not going to because I don't want you to lop my head off. Pharaoh was furious with all of his servants. And the cupbearer says this. We had a dream the same night, me and the chief baker. Each of us has dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. A Hebrew youth was with us, and he was a servant of the captain of the bodyguard. And we related our dreams, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one, he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurried and brought him out of the dungeon. What does it say in Psalm 107? Then the king sent and released him. Let me tell you what happened in order for Joseph to get released from this prison of hidden is that he had to be educated. The word of God had to be tested. He had to know what he was and know what he wasn't. And when Pharaoh's heart stirred and was bothered and no one else could help, he sent and had Joseph come up. And the rest of the story is this. Joseph interpreted it perfectly and was made second in command in Egypt. I know that I know that during those seven years of plenty, which is how he interpreted the dream, and seven years of drought, Joseph was thankful for those hidden years because he was second in command, not only of Egypt, everyone. I mean, his brothers came from outside of Egypt to get grain from Egypt because they were in a drought and they were about to die. That hidden prison that you are walking in right now is for a purpose. You're not overlooked. Don't get frustrated. You haven't been sidelined. You've just been put in a place where people can't get to you or don't see you or whatever, because God wants to teach you before he gives you maximum exposure and ultimately gives you what you've dreamed. You guys need to understand that God is good and what he's called you to, no one else can do like you can. And that place of being hidden when God does bring you out, when Pharaoh calls your name and you're able to answer what is needed, you're going to be thankful that God loves you enough to educate you in that hiding place. So guys, one of the things that God illuminated to me about why Joseph was hidden for two years 
is because when he was hidden, another reason he was hidden is to be able to heal. One of the things that I appreciate with the Lord is when he talks about he is our hiding place and um, he protects us. And, you know, all those verses that I discussed in the first part of this long series is what it will turn out to be, is that he places us there to heal us. I want you to think about Joseph for a second. He was just completely rejected by everyone he knew. He almost was murdered at their hand. He was sold into slavery and then he was betrayed. Any human being needs time away from the spotlight to heal. We disrespect these times of being hidden and we don't utilize them to their fullest potential. But if you feel like you are in a place right now where you're hurt, you want to be out, you want to get all the opportunities, you want everyone to give you yeses to everything that you try for, you want your business to be awesome, you want all of these things to be successful for you, one of the things that God might be doing in you during this season is healing you. What a better place to heal someone in prison where no one could get to them to harm them any further. Joseph was able to take these two years and process what he didn't have time to process before he was in prison. He like went from his brothers to a caravan to being sold into slavery to working really hard in Potiphar's house. Do you think he had time to process the hurt of his brothers? It's very clear at the end of Genesis that he had processed the hurt of his brothers. And I'm submitting to you that this is probably a season where he did it so he can move in front of Pharaoh and actually stand in front of Pharaoh healed so that he could minister to the people of Egypt and beyond. One of the reasons God puts us in a prison of hidden is to heal the hurts that the church caused, that the ex-husband called, that whoever has hurt or betrayed you caused so that you can move forward free. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That was a long message, but I'm trusting that God's going to use his word. Let me pray and then we'll go to break. Lord, I love you so much. And I thank you so much that I believe that you brought insight to those that are listening today. I thank you so much that you are aware of how everyone that is feeling feels out there. They feel overlooked. They feel forgotten. But God, you're right there with every single one of them. God, I pray that the story of Joseph, that these prison years, these two plus prison years, will encourage them in their season that they're walking in where they feel forgotten. We love you, Lord, and we trust you with our everything. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be back right after the break with a story from you, and I'll answer a question. See you in a sec. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. 
Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. you guys like that part two of the prison of hidden guys it's gonna be okay god's coming he's gonna release you um listen i have a question from one of you guys out there today i'm gonna leave this one as um we're not just not gonna put a name with it my husband and i are having a disagreement about the church we attend he grew up in a very conservative christian church that claims non-denomination however it is very much a pentecostal background I've been going to a non-denominational Christian church for years now, and our worship team is definitely more on the flashy lights and loud music. You can show up in shorts and sandals and come as you are in any type of vibe that you want. My husband doesn't agree about that, and it's been a really rough place in our marriage. I've given his church a try, and it just doesn't sit right in my soul. I've been praying fervently for the Lord to move in this aspect, but honestly, I feel so discouraged. Help. I know I need to honor my husband, but at the same time, what do I do if it just doesn't sit right with where I know the Lord has me? Listen, I love you so much, and I'm so happy that you're writing this in. This is a very common problem. One person likes one style of church. One person likes the other style of church. They don't like either one's churches. And what do we do? Okay. I would encourage you to. Ask the Lord, not yourself, the Lord for a time that God knows he is receptive to what you have to say to go in just like Esther and petition your husband and say, I've been thinking about this. We need to come to agreement on church. And let me also say to you, my dear, neither church might be right for you. What I don't want you to do is quit church altogether. Okay. That's what a lot of people are doing. My husband wants this. I want this. So we're just not going to go. We're going to watch online. No, you need to be in the house of God. God says, don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves together. You need people. The church needs you. You have gifts that they need. Okay. I would pray, ask God to give you an opportunity. Go in before your husband and say, why don't we try other churches? that might be home for both of us. It's not this or that. It might be that you haven't found the one where you both can worship freely and feel at home at. And you know what? I do believe that that is the kind of prayer request that God will honor. I would say, submit it to the Lord and go in with the solution of, let's not go to your church or my church. Let's find one that works for both of us, for our family, so that we can be unified. Okay, last thing, and then we will be done for the day. What is God doing in your life? Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, AM team, so very much for praying for me and my family. I wrote recently that we were living in a hotel 
after a house deal fell through. Well, the Lord answered and we got a house. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am so excited for you out there living in a hotel. Oh my goodness. I couldn't imagine, especially if you have kids. I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to pray for you and congratulations on your new house. This is what God is doing amongst us, guys. This is what he is doing. Isn't he good? I love hearing from you guys so much. If you would like to tell me what God is doing in your life, you can email us at hello at autumnmiles.com, DM us on any social, or just simply comment on one of my posts. Because let me tell you something, we want to celebrate how God is working in your life. I love you guys. I will see you next week. We're going to continue our series about prisons and released next week. I'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Mile Show.